Good evening, this is Mike, and welcome to Driving Theology. Things are going to be a little bit different today. Sorry, I was just fooling around there. <laughs> Welcome to Driving Theology. Uh, this is still Mike, but uh, just like the rest of the world, I am sequestered at home. Uh, I am recording on my uh, Zoom meeting setup. Um, got a better mic and and uh, still recording on my, oddly enough, uh, my, my handheld hand recorder, dig digital recorder that I usually record on, which is a Zoom H1N. Um, sounds like H1N1, the, the swine flu virus. Anyway, uh, I'm still recording on the same uh, get up, um, but I'm actually going first into a mic and a mixer and possibly even through my computer. I'm not sure how this is all working. That's how I ha that's how I played that little intro music for you. Uh, but anyway, how are you guys doing? Um, I've never done a podcast before where I wasn't in my car or a car uh, at the very least. So this is going to be new for me and probably a bit a little bit new for you guys too. Um, I there, there's still going to be some background noise. My family's in the other room right now listening uh, watching television. Uh, we've finished our evening meal and actually it's getting it's after it's after nine o'clock now getting on 10 p.m. Uh, this this will certainly be the latest um, driving theology ever recorded and the first one from my home. So I hope you enjoy. I'm going to pause a little bit and kind of readjust my chair. It's kind of loud. So I'll be back in just a second. There we go. That literally was just a few seconds. Uh, but this, uh, you know, recording from my home gives me a few possibilities that I don't usually have. Uh, I've had a book for some time uh, by Sir Thomas Merton, and I can't even remember where I picked it up, or my guess is that I got it from a used uh, book shop, but actually there's a receipt in here. I wonder if this belongs to Patrick. I might know that if I look here. Oh, no, it looks like maybe I bought it. I think actually I bought it in Hawaii. Uh, maybe as a used book. Yeah, used book. Uh, but it is New Seeds of Contemplation by Thomas Merton. Uh, and yeah, I think I was just in it used, now that I remember, uh, it was, um, I guess, this last summer. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, it has... Um, what do you call it? Endorsements by Pope Francis, the Dalai Lama, uh, and some other interesting people. Uh, Thomas Merton, if you don't know him, and I don't, uh, I, I've heard of him because uh, I've listened to a lot of uh, Richard Rohr, uh, who is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, a, a Merton disciple. Um, I'm just going to read his, uh, his little biography here. Uh, Thomas Merton, 1915 to 1968. Oh my gosh. 68 is the year I was born. And I want to say this book was written in the late 60s. So this 
This was written in 61, first published. Okay, 61, yeah. So written about seven years uh, before he died. And he didn't seem to have lived a very long life. Uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, let's see. Uh, he may have lived only to 53 years old. Wow. Yeah, but it looks like he died the year I was born. Uh, so it says, Thomas Merton, the author of the beloved classic, The Seven-Story Mountain, entered the uh, Cistercian Abbey of Gethsemane in Kentucky following his conversion to, to Catholicism. During the 1960s, he was increasingly drawn into a dialogue between Eastern and Western religions and issues of war and racism. Uh, yeah, so... This book is called, again, New Seeds of Contemplation, and I just picked it up today, and I've only read, I don't know, maybe four pages. But I wanted to read this this first chapter uh, that he wrote, because it really is a beautifully written paragraph, actually. I'm only going to read the first paragraph of the first, first chapter, uh, but it gives you a great... Um, uh, definition of contemplation. In fact, the chapter is called "What Is Contemplation," uh, and and the way he writes here is just beautiful, poetic. And I thought I would share that with you. Uh, this will take two or three minutes, but then that'll give us a good uh, jumping point uh, to uh, start. You know, whatever we're going to talk about today. Contemplation is the highest expression of man's intellectual and spiritual life. It is that life itself fully awake, fully active, fully aware that it is alive. It is spiritual wonder. It is spontaneous awe at the sacredness of life, of being. It is gratitude for life, for awareness, and for being. It is a vivid realization of the fact that life and being in us proceed from an invisible, transcendent, and infinitely abundant source. Contemplation is, above all, awareness of the reality of that source. It knows the source, obscurely, inexplicably, but with a certitude that goes uh, both beyond reason and beyond simple faith. For contemplation is a kind of spiritual vision to which both reason and faith aspire, by their very nature, because without it they must always remain incomplete. Yet contemplation is not vision because it sees without seeing and knows without knowing. It is a more profound depth of faith, a knowledge too deep to be grasped in images and words, or even in clear concepts. It can be suggested by words, by symbols, but in the very moment of trying to indicate what it knows, the contemplative mind takes back what it has said and denies what it has affirmed. For in contemplation we know by unknowing, or better, we know beyond all knowing. Or unknowing. That's the first chapter, and and man, I was hooked when I when I read. In fact, I've I've read that that first sorry first chapter. That's not the first chapter. It's just the first paragraph. Uh, I read over and over this first paragraph. Um, so beautifully written, and it makes you, you know, it draws you in. It makes you want to know more about this. Uh, spiritual practice of contemplation. And in fact, he, he puts it on such a, a high standing 
to to you know as to put it above even theology he goes into later uh, he says because theology uh, must must come from contemplation uh, but he says contemplation must also uh, be able to um, exist alongside of all of these other things as well uh, the first sentence of the second paragraph says poetry music and art have something in common with the contemplative experience but contemplation is beyond aesthetic intuition beyond art beyond poetry indeed it is also beyond philosophy beyond speculative theology it it resumes transcends and fulfills them all and yet at the same time, it seems in a certain way to supersede and to deny them all. Contemplation is always beyond our own knowledge, beyond our own light, beyond systems, beyond explanations, beyond discourse, beyond dialogue, beyond our own self. To enter into the realm of contemplation, one must in a certain sense die. But this death is in fact the entrance into a higher life. It is a death for the sake of life, which leaves behind all that we can know or treasure as life, as thought, as experience, as joy, as being. Well, there you go. I've read the second paragraph. It's just too much fun. Uh, <laughs> great stuff. Uh, I've, I've talked to you before and, and have admitted that I'm not uh, a naturally contemplative person. Uh, it, 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 it's a struggle for me. Uh, to do anything uh, like um, uh, contemplation or that other word that I can't think of right now. Um, yeah, so I, I'm easily distracted. And, and, you know, I'm kind of a people person. Uh, I enjoy uh, being with people, and it's quite hard to be contemplative when you're, when you're in dialogue uh, with other people or many people at a time. So uh, this is something I want to do better and I want to know more about. Um, and for whatever reason, this book has been kind of uh, um, trying to get my attention for several days now. It's it's popped out of nowhere. I could, I could not remember where I had picked it up until right now I found the receipt in the book. Um, maybe it's time. Maybe this book is choosing me to read it at this time. I don't know. Uh, but what I've read so far, I've, I've really enjoyed. Um, looking now, the first chapter is only five pages, and I haven't quite finished the first chapter. Um, the book, uh, which uh, is published by... I can't even see. Looks like indiebooks.com. New Directions, Independent Publisher, maybe that's it. I'm trying to get this um, sales sticker, this price price tag, off the uh, publisher mark so I can get a better look at it to make sure that... Well, it's just a symbol. So there you go. Uh, anyway, I can look at the uh, title page, I suppose. Copyright by the Abbey of Gethsemane Incorporated. A New Directions book. So it's published by somebody called A New Directions Book. 
what's the name uh, or new directions or something like that new directions it may just be new directions uh, okay uh, yeah so yeah do you want to read this with me uh, I would love for you guys to pick it up and maybe we could uh, look at it together um, actually I did finish the first chapter now that I look at it the second chapter is what contemplation is not the first chapter is what is contemplation um, yeah so I think I did get in to the second chapter uh, yeah so with me and, and probably with you guys as well um, life is 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 a, a complicated uh, combination of, of uh, constantly hurled projectiles uh, that are usually coming right for you um, I've always lived my life in kind of a three-ring circus. I, I, I can't focus on one thing, and so I'm involved in, in a lot of stuff. Um, maybe that goes back to the you know my inability to focus. Um, that's quite possible, uh, but I do I do have my 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 hand in a lot of pies and uh, and uh, wear a lot of hats. Um, and in, I think a lot of people, especially with um, you know social media and things like this, I think we we are all are living lives on on many levels. Uh, of course, we live our life um, as, as people always have, face to face and in the presence of other people. But these days, we have an added uh, social media existence, whether that's um, uh, you know Twitter or Facebook or. Instagram or or all of the above and more Here in Japan, we have something called line um, uh, Which is very popular uh, my, my biggest one is Facebook. I've never figured out the need for Twitter Instagram and and I use line just because everybody else here uses it and If you want to be involved with people you kind of have to um, So yeah, I've used that as well um, but anyway, I, I feel like taking time uh, to to exercise uh, contemplatively, I guess is the right way to say that. Or anyway, it's the way I'm going to say it. Taking time to learn to to be contemplative, uh, to to meditate, uh, to pray, uh, is something that doesn't come naturally to me. And so, yeah, I, I think it's something that I will, I will be needing more and more the older I get. Uh, and it's something I think that can bring together all of the various parts of my life and, and give, give it some kind of continuity. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about Christian uh, contemplation, uh, contemplation of and in and with Jesus uh, specifically. Um, he, he does give some pretty good definitions of what contemplation is. I'm going to thumb through here and see if I could find that real quick. Um, of course, I, I read a very long thing. Um, but very specifically, uh, he said something. 
Yeah, well, here's the, here's the final paragraph of chapter 1. Um, he says, Hence, contemplation is more than a consideration of abstract truths about God, more even than effective meditation on the things we believe. It is awakening, enlightenment, and the amazing intuitive grasp by which love gains certitude of God's creative and dynamic intervention in our daily life. Hence, contemplation does not simply find a clear idea of God and confine him within the limits of that idea and hold him there as a prisoner to whom it can always return. On the contrary, contemplation is carried away by him into his own realm, his own mystery and his own freedom. It is a pure and virginal knowledge, poor in concepts, poorer still in reasoning, but able by its very poverty and purity to follow the word wherever he may go. Man, this guy just writes beautifully. I'm just stunned by his ability to, to you know, to, to put words uh, together. He is a masterful uh, verbal genius. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, so he's talking about it's it's not contemplation is not just learning abstract truths about God, but but learning that you know and in sensing in some way, and I guess we call that mysticism, sensing God in our life, um, in our daily life, in our lives now. Um, when he says, on the contrary, contemplation is carried away by him, all of these hem, hymns and his are all uppercase. He's talking about God. Hmm. Yeah, he has a very high opinion of contemplation, indeed. And of course, that's what Thomas Merton is known for. Uh, he's known to be perhaps a kind of a monk, Perhaps the last monk, or, or, or the first modern monk. I'm not sure how we would say that, but I would like to learn more about Thomas Merton, of course. Um, how long have we been doing this now? Okay. Well, I don't want to go too long today. I just wanted to get um, something out there uh, for you guys to uh, to chew on while uh, while we get used to. Uh, this new, new sequestered life that we're all in, um, most of us anyway, uh, unless you are one of the uh, essentials who who work in a you know in a necessary uh, industry um, or have a necessary occupation, uh, firefighter, policeman, doctor, nurse, uh, all of these people and more, um, farmers. I would put. Of course, in that category as well. Um, yeah, so man, I'm excited to, to read more of this book, and hopefully I'll have more about uh, Thomas Merton um, next time we get together. Um, so yeah, and I'll ho hopefully I'll be trying to put some of what I'm learning into practice and, and maybe give you just enough touch that, that you will be interested in uh, learning more 
uh, about contemplation. I know a lot of you guys mo know more about it than I do. Um, so, you know, take this, you know, uh, take this as a grain of salt, uh, I guess is the right way to put that. Speaking of salt, man, we've been cooking a lot. I don't know. I don't know how your experience is going with your family uh, through this time uh, of, uh, uh, you know, COVID-19. Uh, but our family has been pretty much uh, all of us except my oldest daughter who lives and works in Hawaii. Uh, the rest of us are in our house spending a lot of time together. The, the two girls are in classes uh, online. Uh, I've got a high schooler and a, and a university student as well, and they're they're both busy um, working on stuff for their classes. And when they're not, we're just you know cooking together and eating together and taking some walks in the country and excuse me, spending some time outside on on our uh, our deck, uh, looking at sunsets and. And it's been really great. It's a, it's a blessing that I didn't think I would have this time of year. Usually, you know, I get this in the summers when the girls are home. Um, but uh, this has been a blessing in disguise. But I know there are people out there who are having a really hard time with this. And, and it's, not, it's not to say there aren't bad things uh, about this for us as well. This has not been good for our family. Uh, and, uh, oh, I say family for our business. Sorry. I meant business. Well, I guess by proxy family would fit in there. Um, but, but we, you know, we, we are blessed enough to, to be able to hold on right now. Um, as long as this doesn't last, uh, super long, uh, we'll probably, uh, be able to weather the storm. But I know some people will not, and I I know that you know there are some horrible things happening in the world right now. Uh, one of which is a, a rise in in domestic uh, violence cases. Uh, I think people are getting cabin fever, getting restless, uh, not being used to spending as much time in close quarters as they are uh, with their family members, and so. I know there's a lot of struggle that's going on now, and that's you know above and beyond the people who are actually ill with COVID-19. Uh, I do have some some friends more more today than I did before. Uh, I'm learning uh, of more people who have been infected. Uh, some here in Japan now, um, and it's a horrible thing to deal with. And there's a there's a stigma attached now as well. And that stigma is is being hidden under a a a concern for the safety of everybody else, right? So you know the people who who have become sick uh, feel like they're being stigmatized. You know, people are staying away from them like the plague, and that's you know not even a metaphor. Um, and it's hard for them right? People are not used to this. They're not used to being the ones who are stigmatized. Um, but hopefully it gives, it gives them a perspective, uh, on other people who have been stigmatized, um, 
and who live their life just because, you know, the color of their skin, right, makes them um, uh, be a, co a constant um, target of racism or, you know, racial profiling or whatever. Uh, there are a lot of people that live their lives daily like that. And so, uh, you know, hopefully this will put more people in the world with that perspective so that they can help those who, who live this way all the time. One of those groups uh, who have a huge uh, stigma, uh, and you might say rightly so, are those uh, in prostitution. I know this is kind of a random thing I'm bringing up, but this last week, listening to a podcast uh, on the Greg Boyd podcast, I, I heard a um, I heard an interview with an author, and her name is Micklewaite. Her last name is Micklewaite, and I can't remember her first name right now. I looked her up. I could probably find her real quick. That's the great thing about. Uh, Actually, being at my office, I have a computer in front of me that I can look up things. Let's see who it was. Da -da -da -da. Lila, yeah. Uh, Lila Micklewaite, uh, who is part of, of an uh, organization uh, that is trying to deal with human trafficking. Human trafficking is the modern... Uh, I would say that, you know, the modern word of slavery, it's really slavery, uh, but it deals with everything from prostitution all the way to pornography. Um, and, you know, people who are outright uh, abducted, uh, kidnapped and forced into uh, working as a, as a sex slave. Uh, but it also goes all the way to you know anybody who's ever been coerced into the industry as well, or or who have been brought into the industry uh, because of their vulnerabilities, um, and there there are organizations out there who are uh, working to battle them, and one of them uh, I believe is called Exodus Cry. Uh, let me I want to get that right, so let me type this in here. Um, yeah, uh, Exodus Cry is a website. You can go to exoduscry.com, uh, and they, uh, fight for the freedom of people sold for sex. That's what it says on the very, you know, uh, first, um, thing that you get to when you open that up. And it's, it's an entire organization. They raise money and they, they fight um, people in sexual slavery, uh, fight for people in sexual slavery around the world, and they have a movie which I really want to recommend to you. It it it, it was it, it's a beautifully made movie. Uh, it brought tears to my eyes, uh, and I can't remember right now the title, but I just played it on my computer, so I should be able to find it. Um, I I wanted to to watch it with my family. So we watched it together last night. Uh, and let's see where it is. Huh. I thought it'd be right here, but it's not coming up. 
Let's see. Yeah. Anyway, you can get it, get to it through Exodus Cry for sure. Uh, oh, actually, I think I got it now. Maybe I don't even know. No, this is all the Moodle stuff. Okay. Well, it's not. I thought I had found it, but I'm sure it's going to come up here while I'm looking at this website. Uh, but I do recommend this this cause uh, and specifically this um, organization to you, Exodus Cry. Um, the movie uh, that they have put out is about an hour and a half. It's like a legit, um, legitimate movie um, documentary. Very well made. Um, yeah, it is a Christian organization. I don't know a lot about their theology, uh, but I don't have to to know that that I want I want their cause to succeed. Um, they're calling themselves abolitionists, which is exactly what uh, Wilberforce was uh, and uh, Abraham Lincoln, for example. Uh, and other people who wanted to uh, end the institution of slavery, uh, but it makes the it makes the um, point. It comes to the conclusion that slavery is alive and actually growing in the world. It's just changed uh, nature a little bit. Um, I really want to find this movie. Um, Pretty sure I'll find it here in a sec. Um, uh, yeah, I think it was here somewhere. Dun, 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 dun. Um, the problem is deeper than sex trafficking. Sex trafficking is a global threat to vulnerable women, children, and even men worldwide. When a person has been forced, deceived, or coerced into being sold for sex, they have become a victim of sex trafficking. Um, but it talks about uh, these other these other things that that kind of feed into this system. One, the obvious one is prostitution, but another one is stripping and then pornography. Uh, so strip clubs and, and and strippers and things like this, um, and pornography. All of these things. If if you have um, supported uh, is the wrong word. Uh, if if you have used these any of these three things, then you have contributed to the the, um, the trafficking of of people, right? Um, and I recommend this uh, because, yeah, here it says our battlefront. So they want to battle prostitution. They want to battle pornography and porn culture. All right, this is a continuation. Sorry, my uh, <laughs> my my uh, little Zoom H1N uh, recorder ran out of battery. That's not the first time that's happened. I should learn by now. This uses more battery than I thought. Uh, so, yeah. So, as I was saying, um, if you have uh, if you have uh, participated in any of these things. Uh, and and th then you have you have contributed to 
to the the trafficking of of people. You've contributed to to slavery. Uh, and I really think there are very few people, this is not the only ways, there, there are many other ways, there are very few people in the world that have not contributed uh, passively, uh, in the very least, to sex trafficking. Uh, and that's what you will learn from this movie. I did find, uh, while I was waiting to, to get this recorder working again, I did find the movie. Uh, it is called Behind the Veil of the Sex Industry, Nefarious Merchant of Souls. Nefarious. Nefarious is N-E-F-A-R-I-O-U-S, which I had to look it up. It means evil or wicked. Nefarious Merchant of Souls, released in 2011. Nefarious Merchant of Souls is a hard-hitting documentary that exposes the disturbing trends of modern-day sex slavery. Uh, I highly recommend this. You can can watch it for free, uh, I believe, know how I watched it, but it must have been on the website itself. Uh, it looks like you can all, all actually buy the film. I don't think I bought it, though. Um, I would. I didn't know it was a possibility until I looked at it right here. Um, stream on demand. Watch on YouTube. That's probably what I did. Anyway, if it, it's rough. It, it's a rough movie. It's not, it's not for kids, certainly. Uh, but it, it opens your mind uh, to, to just how far-reaching this industry is. Uh, it, it, it is fed by, by seemingly um, innocent sources. Uh, I kind of, as I was thinking of this the other day, I was waking up and this was what was in my mind, but it's sort of like the way that, you know, a, a drop of water falls to the earth and that drop of water collects with other drops of water and soon you have puddles and those puddles get too big and so they spill into a ditch and that ditch spills into, you know, maybe a bigger ditch and then a canal and then you know, a stream and then a river and then that river goes into a bigger river and finally that river goes into the ocean. Uh, and so there, there are trickles that are, that are in your life that are contributing to, to this horrible situation and you don't even know it. Uh, you don't even know it. There are words that you use that are in your vocabulary uh, that uh, how do I put this? Uh, there are words that are in our co- common vocabulary that are op- oppressive. I guess is the best way, and we don't even realize it. Uh, one one of one of the ones that I thought about the other day, um, and and basically all of this language is 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 dehumanizing, right? It, that's the purpose of this language is to dehumanize women mostly. Uh, you know, one of the words that if we see a beautiful woman, she's called a fox. If we see an ugly woman, she's called a dog. Uh, if, if there's a woman, uh, who is, um, nasty or mean, uh, she's called a bitch, right? All of these words are dehumanizing words. Uh, and, and in some small way, they, they, they are trying to get men 
uh, to not see women as fellow human beings uh, walking on this this you know this road that we call life, uh, but instead inferior or or you know uh, human beings that are more like animals, uh, and so the dehumanizing of women is what allows the sex trade to continue. Uh, and, and this movie doesn't get into a lot of that. A lot of that was from the interview, uh, which I will find now for you. Uh, this uh, interview that's in a podcast. Uh, it's on the Greg Boyd podcast. So if you... Let's see, library. Greg Boyd. Why isn't it here? There it is. Um... Greg Boyd podcast. I need to see the episodes that I've already watched. Dun, 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 dun. Previously played. Uh, yeah, so it's of March 19th. I believe it's this year. Uh, March 19th on the Greg Boyd podcast. I think it's just called Greg Boyd. I'll check that in a second. Uh, Greg Boyd Apologies and Explanations. Yeah, and March 19th, and the title is How Can We Stop the Sexual Exploitation of Children? And it's basically an interview uh, by uh, Lila Micklewaite, I told you about before. Uh, and listening to that, um, that podcast and that um, interview inspired me to look more deeply into this itch issue uh, into the organization Exodus Cry, which she is uh, associated with. Uh, and yeah, I hope you'll do the same thing. Uh, there are things I think you will find after listening to this podcast. Uh, I'm trying to find a book on it. I haven't found a book by Lila yet. I think there's one out there. I'll keep looking for that. But I think you'll find... Um, quite innocently that in some ways um, if if you have found yourself desensitized to sexual things sexual innuendo uh, sexual jokes um, whether it's on television or in movies uh, nudity uh, even the the industry of, of uh, uh, prostitution or or uh, porn, um, if all of these things are seeming to you like just everyday things that, that we deal with in our life today, uh, I think you have been uh, desensitized uh, as I had been. I am, I guess is the better way to put that. Uh, and when we become that way, uh, it becomes easier and easier for the nefarious people out there to steal the souls of of the innocent and the weak the vulnerable uh, and so I, I've been convicted of that and and have been talking to my daughters uh, about this uh, because I want them to be aware uh, that they may come across sometime uh, and actually one of my daughters confided that she she knows somebody that may have been in prostitution uh, here in Japan, um, but um, it's a horrible, horrible situation. 
uh, and it is um, perpetrated by men, by and large, who take advantage of the vulnerable, as I said before. Uh, one thing that she said, which was inter interesting, she said, if, if men today, all men everywhere, suddenly decided to stop paying for sex, to stop watching pornography, uh, then the industry would grind to a halt. It would end. It would cease to exist. This ind industry exists because men make it exist. Okay, there is demand, and therefore people are making a profit supplying this demand. Uh, and that is that has been going on, that has been going on for uh, many, many years. It's, it's a historical fact that this is how things have always happened. People would t will take advantage when there's a profit to be made. It's a, um, it's a certainty. Um, uh, so yeah, not to be a downer, um, but this is something that I, that I hope we can all do better, um, in our own context. And I think that's where it starts. What are the trickles of water in your life that are contributing to this horrible situation? Uh, they may just be, you know, drops of rain, uh, in your context that you can take care of, that you can, uh, you can clean up that you can stop from contributing to the ocean. Um, that, that's the kind of grassroots movement that, that needs to happen. Uh, and it will cut off, cut off the, the lifeblood of the sex trafficking industry. Uh, we need men uh, everywhere to, to take responsibility uh, for this. Uh, and to and to d decide that they are no longer going to be a part of it, and I'm speaking to myself first and foremost. First and foremost, um, uh, and so I'm going to leave you with that. I hope you will uh, look into Exodus Cry. Um, um, I'm not sure how these things, uh, both uh, reading Thomas Merton's. Uh, book on contemplation and, and my newfound uh, respect for the people of Exodus Cry. I don't know how that's going to work out in, in the next coming weeks or months, uh, but I do promise to keep you appraised. So thank you very much, and uh, you guys uh, stay safe. Uh, I uh, hope that you and yours are well, uh, but if you're not, I hope that you get the uh, help that you need. And uh, stay strong. Do not be afraid. Uh, and uh, yeah, may God be with you and may God be with us all. Thank you.